broadcasting live from Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Now, if you're watching on War Chant TV, you're saying, wait a minute, what's going on? It's Libations Friday. My man has recorded this hour. Well, we have to be. We don't have to be, but we want to be, and it's our job to be at the football luncheon, kickoff for spring football. Today, Mike Norvell addressing the media, allowing us to talk with his coaches as well as him. And then we're back live in a response to that conversation and what we learned at the luncheon in hour two. So we wanted to get this hour in so that we could go over there and have those conversations and then relay those for you in hour two. I'll be wearing this exact same thing. So, well, Tom, we're not changing. It's just an hour. That's it. Welcome in. Happy Libations Friday. Somewhat loosey-goosey, really busy. Thank goodness uh, we have more and more football to add to the ledger of things to talk about today. So, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I, Tom said it yesterday, and I agreed. I thought about it later on when I was driving home. It'll be interesting to see what those weights are for the new players, for the transfers, and then obviously the veteran players, whether they needed to lose weight, because we saw a lot of guys out there that look a lot better. Kanai Charlton, for example, looks a lot better than he did a year ago. I thought he was a kid that had talent a year ago, but every time I watched him, I thought, well, he can't do anything until you get some of that bad weight off you, and he had a lot of bad weight. He lost it. I saw that yesterday when we were out there watching him run around. He looks a lot more mobile. He's down a few LBs. I'm interested to find out how much. There are other guys, Patrick Payton. Tom mentioned him yesterday. Got to get bigger. He's got the quickness. He's got a lot of what for to him. He's a strong kid for his size. But big boy football that play for championships see bigger, stronger versions of Patrick Payton, and that's what he can become. I'm interested to see what his weight is. That's the point today. We're going to find out exactly what they did as a team as they really put in the time and really put in the effort. It was cool to listen to Coach Storms yesterday as well. Uh, I, I would think if you are a strength and conditioning coach and this is your time to shine, this is where you get the opportunity to mold this team that we think is going to have a great season, put them in a position to succeed, uh, earn your money. But also most of these guys I've ever encountered over the years, these strength and conditioning coaches, first of all, they had a love of fitness. They had a love of strength. They had a love of making themselves better. It kind of led them to the field that they were in. They likely lifted heavy weights when they were in high school. From there, they wanted to learn more about exercise physiology. They wanted to learn more about how to most uh, effectively uh, you know, source proteins and do the kinds of things you need to do, put yourself in a position to get stronger or get leaner or get faster or whatever it might be in terms of functional strength and explosive movements. 
But those guys usually went on down the road, got a master's and later on PhD and, and, and learned how, uh, how the body works. But you get a chance because normally when you put that knowledge to work, you get a chance to watch. Uh, it's, it's a grand experiment. I mean, you get a kid and you can mold him. When he's 18 years old, he walks in. You don't know what kind of background he has, what kind of uh, school he went to. You know, is he from a small town with not a lot of resources? And maybe the high school gym consisted of a bench and a squat rack and a few barbells, and that's it. You know, none of the other stuff that they use now that help better train balance and, and explosive movements and, and functional strength. Other kids, you come in and you see that they are a grown-ass man already, and you think, my God, what am I going to do with this guy? He's already 6'4", 218 at 18 years old and can run like the wind blows. I'm talking about Hakeem Williams. What's he going to do with that kind of kid? What's the challenge there, by the way? Probably you want to add some speed. Probably maybe want to be sure that he's not going to become a tight end. He's huge. So all of these things are fun. This is his time to shine. It was cool to talk to him yesterday. I know how pumped up he is about the gains that they've made. Today we'll learn in an hour or two. We'll tell you exactly what they are because that's what's going to be revealed uh, while you're watching this right now, while we're sitting over there talking to coaches. So I actually love this. It happens to coincide uh, right alongside the uh, combine, which is going on in the NFL right now. I watched some of that yesterday, Tom. I don't know if you did. I watch combine. I tend to do that. Anyhow, I want to look at guys that potentially the bucks are going to take or, you know, who are moving up and down the board for trade purposes, those kinds of things. So that's going on right now. Uh, plenty of things to, to discuss there. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah, I'd say uh, combine for me. I'm I'm cool on the Bucks for a little bit. It's not that I won't watch the games in the fall and I won't go to the draft party wherever we host it, whenever we host it. Got a pretty good idea of the where part of that equation. Uh, but they need a lot of pieces. So and and they may trade down to go get more pieces for themselves. So we'll see how that shakes out in the draft. Uh, at the top of my mind right now, away from Florida State football, is the baseball program. Sure. Uh, this is going to be a fun series this weekend against Gulf Coast. Uh, personal level of, of interest is to the uh, NHL trade deadline. There's an arms race going on in the Eastern Conference. So I'm yep. watching that. And then the designated event down in Orlando, the Mr. Palmer event, uh, as uh, Jordan Spieth had a really good first day, but then John Rahm outclassed the field. So that's, like, that's for like he does on a daily basis. My, my attention is split to those particular areas rather than the combine at this point. But you're right. I, I probably will get there earlier than I have in a long time for this luncheon. Usually I'm there about five, 10 minutes before Norvell speaks. And usually he's waiting there and counting down the clock and shouting at the top of his lungs, how much time remains till it begins. But I want to take a look at those charts. I, I want, if we get the handout from uh, Derek and the sports information staff, that's the first thing I'm going to do. So I'm going to have an intimate knowledge of about four or five players that I think made some changes like Peyton and Josh Farmer and Kaniya Charlton and Shaheem Brown and so forth. And I'm going to go right to the page and take a look at where they list them for this year, assuming we get it. Now, if we don't, this is the ultimate tease with no payoff. But this is typically the uh, the order of events is at spring lunch in day is when you get to see the progress. Well, it's a chance for them to to brag on. And, and I don't think they would look at it as bragging to highlight the the process. So I, I don't think there's any chance we don't get that today, Tom. I, I think that there's 100% likelihood, 99.9% likelihood that we get that today. They, they're proud of what they've done, you know, and it, it's also in lockstep with the overriding philosophy of Mike Norvell involving the press and his program. Uh, it's one of the things that we champion on a regular basis as members of the press, the access that we get, 
unfettered access that we get, uh, coupled with the ability to reach out, as we did last week, uh, whether it be to the head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, if you ask to have them on, given that open-door policy they have, they're going to come on. They're going to grant you that interview. If they're in town and they have time, they're going to pick a day in the not-too-distant future, I might add. It's not you got to wait a month. It's, yeah, sometime next week we can get to you. We've got a slot here or there in which we can work that in. That's because that transparency is born from confidence that they believe in what they're doing. And they don't mind talking about it. They don't mind championing their players. They don't mind showcasing the way they go about their business. That is uh, really, in any walk of life, a, uh, a, a welcome Welcome change. It's not what you see in big time corporations. It's not what you see in the NFL. It's not what you see in a lot of places. Uh, they don't need you. They don't want you to know uh, how the cake is made. But uh, that's not true anymore. That's not, I mean, not with this staff and not with this group. So we're going to get that information, I think, today. And I think we're going to be not pleasantly surprised, but I think we're going to, our eyes are going to be opened in a couple of cases. There were a couple of guys whose bodies yeah. really altered this offseason. And that's exciting. My question to you after we take a look at those things, and, and please, folks, if you haven't already, check out the website, warchant.com. Uh, check out our social media. I'm sure it is replete with information already. Uh, the coaching interviews will be uploaded so during the break. If you want to take a look at some of the uh, one-on-one interviews that we get today, it's all there for you, Warchant TV. Like the video, subscribe to us, absolutely free. But since you did talk to Coach Norvell, and since you did talk to the two coordinators, that and that predates – today's meetings i'm assuming you're going to want to talk to somebody else um, i'm going to talk to Tony Coke tokars uh i talked to him last year at this time i i thought about it last night it sounds really strange but you know i'm an open book i thought about it laying in bed last night what am i going to do i'm going to talk to tony tokars that's going to be my tradition uh, i'm going to lock in that interview you guys don't have to worry about it i'll record it and i'm out the door i'm out the door i'm getting back to the studio so it's tony tokars for me or nothing Hopefully you're there today, Tony. I'm going to sit down and uh, and talk with him about the fact that uh, last year at this time, uh, I asked him about Jordan Travis, as one would when talking to the quarterback's coach. I asked him if he thought he was prepared to take the necessary step to transform his game to one in which he could be a viable throwing quarterback. We already knew he could run. We already knew he could run like the wind blows. We already knew he could make people miss. We all, We already knew he was a glorified running back and a really good one at that. I wanted to know, was the understanding of the offense, uh, were, were the mechanics in place, uh, the precision passes, the ability to throw uh, with anticipation, uh, in rhythm, uh, could he read a defense, could he pre-snap? I wanted to know all of the things that he really didn't consistently do the year prior. Uh, he was a run first, get out of the pocket, one read quarterback two years ago. He is now a pre-snap understanding Jesse who will pick you apart from the pocket doesn't even need to run. He can get better at two things. In my opinion, I'm going to ask about this today. His mechanics break down uh, a little bit more often than I'm sure he'd like. Uh, and then, and that leads to some of those weird passes where every now and again, you're like, what the hell was that? He still does that. And I think he can remedy that. Uh, and then I, and then I want him to throw with a little bit more anticipation now that he's got a feel for the receivers. You know, I understood why the year before he didn't really want to do that because the receivers were ass cheeks. The receivers didn't get open. They rarely got separation. Uh, if he would have thrown a lot of anticipatory passes, <laughs> if you're watching, you got, 
you got the animation. Uh, if, if, if he had thrown anticipatory passes two years ago, many of them would have been picked off. Guys not completing routes, guys not understanding routes or coverages, guys not sitting down against zone, guys not understanding where they needed to be. And at some point, if you're Jordan Travis and you don't want to turn the football over, you're thinking, well, all right, I'm going to have to see it before I uh, believe it and throw it. That's not true anymore at all. Now you got a bunch of guys that you probably have a lot of faith in. So that should be the next step. I'll ask Tony about all of those things. Yeah, you know, that's actually a, a decent thing to expound on if, if Tony's willing to talk. And usually Tokars will give you good information. Yeah, he's great. But we often saw last year, if there was a breakdown on a pass, Jordan looking at the receiver and, and, you know, doing this whole thing as though there was a side adjustment that they missed that Jordan had correct. And that's why the ball went to a weird spot because they broke off in a different place or whatever, you know, these rules that receivers have based upon leverage or the safeties or, or whatever coverage they can see. It's usually the safeties. Yeah. Yeah. They have, you know, options to do any number of routes and break off and run any number of routes. I'd be interested if, if coach Tokars would be willing to tell you how often Jordan was correct about that versus not and, and how they smooth that process out. The other thing I'd be interested to hear, and I wonder if coach Norvell will say this if he is asked or not, but knowing what Jordan is, even though you've got some new weapons here on the team, will there be an emphasis on greater reps for the other three quarterbacks that are here on scholarship, not, not walk-ons, but the other three scholarship quarterbacks, in order to flesh out a better idea of who your two and three are going to be going into this season? We all assume at present, and rightly so, that it's Tate Rodemaker followed by A.J. Duffy, and then the freshman Brock Glenn is just going to get his feet wet this camp. But will there be movement there? you know, in quarterback two, quarterback three. And because Jordan is established now, would they dial him back certain days and allow these guys to go to battle to figure out and flesh out that particular issue? I, I wonder if, if either Tokars or Mike Norvell will be willing to go there or if their canned answer would be something along the lines of we do what we do, nothing changes. Yeah, that's a good question, Tom. As you were asking it, when you posited that, I was quickly thinking in my head, my experience with coaches and what they do with starting quarterbacks and what Mike Norvell wants to do. And I, it is fascinating. I think it's a bit of a conundrum. If you try to answer it head on and say, what would you want to do? I, I, I think you want a precise, uh, you know, free flowing, uh, easy to, uh, uh, to watch offense that has a diversity to it. And, and that requires an awful lot of reps and it requires um, an understanding and a, and a, I mean, to me, there's gotta be a synergy there, right? Like these guys have all got to understand what's what all the time they might already. I mean, you are going to try to work in a couple more guys into the mix here with Winston, right. Is being a big one. And then obviously Hakeem Williams, I don't know how much they plan on playing him, but, yeah, I would think he's going to play. I mean, he, he's got the body for it. So, um, you know, I think, and you got these two two new tight ends to go along with it. Uh, it. It's fascinating. I don't know. I don't know how long it takes for them to feel comfortable enough to have days, as you described them, where you would just say, all right, Jordan, you got this. I don't want you to get a tired arm. We don't need to risk anything right. here. Let's just chill out and let the younger guys play with the ones. Let the younger guys play with the ones and get a feel uh, the backups can get a feel for how this offense would look if you go down. If you go down for any reason, it is it is a tough deal because it's not like you're returning 
you know, eight of the other 10 starters on offense. The offensive line could look completely different. We discussed yes, that at length yesterday. I think it's going to, yeah. The tight end position is going to look completely different. Marquise and Douglas will be in that rotation for sure, but still. I mean, let's be honest here. You didn't bring these guys in to sit. And then you lose Pokey Wilson and you lose Malik McLean. So you've got to get that rotation squared away and those roles squared away. So there's communication at the line with protections. There's communication issues with the receivers. Yes, you have to iron that out, but you can't be doing that in fall camp. So, you know, is is it now the time that you invest? Maybe you set the tone and Jordan goes for the first couple of weeks. And then once you're into week three of spring, then you could dial it back for a day or two. I don't think, and and just to let people in on on the structure of practice, there isn't a whole ton of team uh, every day. Some days have more than others, and they do situations like red zone or first and second down. But Jordan would never lose the ability, I wouldn't think, of the individual stuff where they do receiver on corners one-on-one. That's just a rotation of quarterback gets three yeah, or four yeah, throws, yeah, yeah. then the next quarterback gets three or four throws, and they go down the line. That's all equal, too. That Everybody gets the same number of reps in that. That's correct. And then there are times where they do drills where they have one receiver for a quarterback and a line, and everybody throws. So four quarterbacks throwing at the same time. So it's not like he wouldn't get the reps. It's just when you get into full team 11-on-11, 11 11, That'll be fascinating to document. I don't know how much we'll be able to speak on that on the fly. Yeah. But uh, this is also insider tip for those of you that are consuming stuff on the War Chant message boards as we get to practice next week. When we do the bullet points with the names, just look at the names that are appearing more often than not, and you get kind of a picture of, of what's going on at practice. Hint, hint. And it's not necessarily about injury. It's just about ex- spring is about experimentation and cross-training. So know, know that as well. It's also about teaching. And it's about the fundamentals. Um, so you're not, this is not going to be a, a conversation that is, that reads similarly to the conversations we have in the fall, yeah. where you have to be on the giddy up for game preparation. Your first game is LSU. You're not going to be half stepping. You're going to be repping and installing important offensive and defensive game plans for an elite opponent. So you're going to watch the ones out there a lot and you're going to see scrimmages and things of that ilk, which is a lot different than what you're going to see in the spring here. I don't know how much 11 on 11 we're even going to get. Uh, There's a lot of teaching and a lot of, uh, uh, I I think grasping, especially for transfers and freshmen, you know, you've got to, you got to get transfers and freshmen. You're going to be relying on a lot of transfers and you've got a few freshmen that probably going to see the field. And if you have an opportunity now to teach them the proper way and the way that you want them to do things, whether it be from the playbook or from football mechanics, uh, this is the time to do that. Yeah, what I find fun about this spring is last year, we talked about this at length, I think in the fall as well. It was about expansion of the playbook with Jordan. What could he run? Mm. How much could he run? And, you know, he didn't look that great in spring, but the talking point at the time I think was correct. You got to know what he can and cannot do. You know, there is a base set of the offense that we know will work with Jordan Travis. No sense working on that in spring. You got to figure out what you have in terms of a quarterback who can throw the ball. And his growth was exponential in a way that most everybody did not expect to see. Mm -hmm. But now you know what you can run with him. I don't know that there are more wrinkles in the playbook that you would add for Jordan. The wrinkles you would add are for new positions in the offense, like H-back with Jaheim Bell. Or if you like your your starting five on the offensive line better going into this fall, you could go empty more often. And maybe, you know, there's more wrinkles off of that. Longer drops for the quarterback, longer developing combinations down the field because you think you have a fighting chance 
for Jordan not to have to bail out and throw on the run, but just stand there, wait for something to come open, and then take advantage of it. So where last year the expansion of the playbook was all around what can my quarterback do, not anymore. It's about what can these uh, skill weapons do and what can we do now with offensive line depth. Maybe they come back. I keep harping on this, but maybe they come back to unbalanced offensive line play where you have six guys out there. I love power football, and you know Mike Norvell does too. They're going to run the ball effectively on the vast majority of teams that they face this year. Uh, They're going to have all kinds of options to deploy uh, when defenses adjust. And I just, this is a bear to prepare for. If you're a team in the ACC, good luck. This is going to be a very good offense. I feel confident in saying that unequivocally. This is going to be a very, very, very good offense. Chef Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply what's up guys our next partner that you're going to hear from is athletic greens you've heard me talk about athletic greens in the past happy to talk about them again i take athletic greens every day And I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se. And I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, It had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it, uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit and uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's Athletic Greens, and uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon neutral business, by the way. If that's important to you, it is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. I watch the rain, it's settling 
disappeared for days again. Most of us were staring in lazy like the sky. Letters flew across the wire, filtered through a million lies. The whole world smelled like burning tires the day John Henry died. Prior to the 1999 season, and I remember being so giddy because it was uh, it was still fresh to me, still new to me to be able to cover the program. Um, and I remember I was doing mornings at that time. Uh, Ross Brannon, who's still in town. Uh, Ross, if you're listening, I hope you're doing well, sir. He was an offensive lineman, a starting offensive lineman uh, for Florida State. He came into the studio with Ryan Sprague, who was the starting tight end at the time. And uh, I did an interview with those two. And in that interview, I said to them, given what that roster looked like, um, would it be a disappointment if you didn't go undefeated? That's how high expectations were, Tom, at that time in 99. Um, there was no pretense of like, oh, well, you know, if they go 11 and 1 or 10 and 2, it's a good, none of that nonsense. It was national championship or bust, and you should go undefeated. You know, like that's how good a, can you imagine that? That's the way Georgia felt two years ago. I'm sure they felt that way maybe last year. But that, you know, that's the way, that's what you want to get to. You want to get to that sense of, Look, there's no question marks. They're good. You don't know how health is going to play out. Nobody ever does. You don't know, you know, you could have a bad day. And if you had a bad day against the wrong team, who might not be at your level, but they're close enough that if you turned it over three or four times or gave up a special teams touchdown, you could lose. But short of that, if you were able to realize your potential or even come close to it, you were going to go undefeated. And the only question was, which of the three or four other teams in the nation that you think is loaded are you going to play for the national championship? Florida State's not at that place, but where they are, and I and I want to reiterate this based on what we saw yesterday, where they are is at a place that they have uh, – by the way, Ross Brandon's answer to that question was, yes, it would be a disappointment if they didn't go undefeated. So uh, where they are now, Tom, is I think it would be disappointing to do – any, I think the, the floor is 10 and two, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, and you could go 10 and two. And if the losses were by three and by one to LSU and Clemson, you and I already have this debate. If you avenged that loss in the ACC championship, you know, I mean, I wouldn't call that a disappointing season. Um, I would say that that that's within reason. You've got two other football teams that have really good football players. Um, and LSU going into last year had more, uh, in terms of in the category of really good players uh, because they had recruited better than Florida State for each of the last five years. Um, so that it stood to reason. Um, you know, that these are two teams that will be on equal footing when they face each other in Orlando. That is a toss-up football game. I really believe it's a toss-up. Yeah. Um, and then when you go on the road, say they make that a road night game at Clemson, well, it's not like Clemson hasn't recruited exceptionally well. So, you know, you're going to be an underdog in that game. All right, so... You, you can see where that would be reasonable. Um, but I don't see anybody else on the schedule, given that the offensive line we looked at yesterday, Tom, is an offensive line that allows you to dominate most of the teams you play for several reasons. First of all, you want to run the ball. You design the run game exceptionally well. You are incredibly diverse in your run game. You know, Florida State last year, I mean, we talked about this. We documented this a lot. There'd be games where they came out and killed them with outside zone. 
Then the next week they'd come back and kill him with counter and they'd come back and kill him with power. They could play it any way you wanted to play it. Um, it was, and they had the kind of diversity in talent in the, in the offensive backfield, Tom, where you, you knew like that you had different types of running backs and you had different and Jordan could run and you had all these ways that's not going to go away. It's only going to get better. It, it's only gotten better. You're deeper on the offensive line. You're bigger on the offensive line. You're loaded in the offensive backfield. Jordan's thicker and still can run. You got two new weapons at tight end that diversify that group. Last year, that tight end room we thought was cheeks going into the year. And now here you go. You've got a group that you think is really talented. So, th- th- again, that's only going to get better. The offense is only going to get better. And then from there, you know – the other thing about yesterday that just left me brimming with confidence and to be bold about it, again, I feel like you have a rotation probably of around five guys at interior tackle. Yeah. Well, man, it has been so long since you can say that Florida State has the advantage in every game but one or two uh, on the line of scrimmage, both lines of scrimmage, not one, both lines of scrimmage. Florida State will be the better team in the trenches in every game they play, except for two. And even then, we're not real sure. I mean, I need to look at it. We'll, we'll, we'll decide before the Clemson game. We'll decide before the LSU game. But I know what LSU has coming back, and it's a lot. So, I mean, that may be even there. But, but I mean, goodness gracious. Well, yeah, and it's you're correct. It's not a decided advantage. It's certainly not when you're talking about the top line on the depth chart. Where there is a difference, I agree with you, is when you get into that second level of the depth chart and you go across the board, tackle to tackle on offense or end to end on defense. Yeah, I mean, if you suffer an injury or two at those key positions, then you're not as deep and you're not as talented in the trenches as those two teams. But Mike Norvell has been operating at a deficit for a long time and competing and winning these games to a degree, the LSU game being the big one, uh, on a more even footing than he should by rights, based upon what we have seen in the recruiting rankings and you know overall eye test talent that is easily visible. You can see it. Yeah. But Florida State will have the better quarterback, I think, in all 12 games this year. That's why, to me, this is a playoff or bust type season because this is all a crescendo, all arriving in one place in one moment. And what you need to do is split those two games in September. If you can split the two, then you are on the path to the playoff as long as you don't trip up somewhere else. And also, I'll add again, if you beat LSU in that first week, you have the ultimate get out of jail free card. We are moving from a place back in 99, obviously, where if you lost a game, that might be one too many for you to play for the national championship. To now, if you're an SEC team or you're Ohio State, you automatically have a freebie before the season starts. You could lose a game, doesn't matter. They're going to put you in. If you win the conference and you go 12-1, and you're going to the college football playoff. The ACC in Florida State is not there yet, but if we beat LSU, we will get the get-out-of-jail-free card, where if you beat Clemson, you could slip up on the road to Pitt. Doesn't matter doesn't matter and the next evolution is a 12 team playoff where everybody starts with at least one strike before the season begins and there might be automatic tie-ins to conference champions so the the uh, desperation of having to go perfect is not what it used to be and if we beat LSU that first week you to the wall you know pelotas to the wall then you are in a position where it gets really fun really fast to me, this is a playoff or bust team because of the reasons you outlined. 
this offense should be in a position where they can score in so many different ways. The only concern I actually have is that they try to be five things at once instead of figure out week to week what they want to be and they stick to a plan. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I mean, we, you, you sometimes have so many options that it's too many and you say, oh man, they're not one of anything. They're, they're a sliver of a bunch of things. Um, and, and yeah, um, jack of all trades, master of none type conversation. But I, 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 I would tell you that um, it's such a fun conversation because this is two competing things that can be true. <laughs> this is, you don't think it's unreasonable for Florida state to lose 27, 24 and 28 to 27. Like if they lose those two, if those were the two scores, a right. road game at night against Clemson, they lose 28, 27 in an all time great contest. And they lose on a last second field goal in Orlando to an sec West champion from a year ago. That's only going to get better. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you would admit that by rights, you cannot be mad about that. Uh, individually, you can't, but I would also say that we are at a program, we cover a program, we went to the school, that if in a given year they lose to both Miami and Florida when when both those teams were good, let's just say in the heyday, and I understand this team isn't as talented as the heyday. I was going to say. But it would still be unacceptable. It's, I don't care. I no, don't we, care that they lost to both of those teams by a score. I, I don't care. No, yeah, but in those not. days, in those days, you had national championship caliber teams annually I don't think this is a national championship team. I think they may be a college football playoff team. We have established that you don't have to be a national championship contender and you can still go to the college football playoff, which seems to be a catch-22, but I, I don't think it is. I think we realized TCU was not a national championship caliber team. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm thinking that this would be a wasted opportunity if they don't go. That's to a fair. Okay, I, I think that's a better way of saying it. I, I, I think you're right about that. I, I think it would be a wasted opportunity. It wouldn't be a bitter disappointment it would be a wasted opportunity. And I think one of the reasons that we think it would be a wasted opportunity and why it would stick in your craw, maybe for some people longer than others, it's what you fear the following year is going to be when you start over at quarterback and you don't have Superman. Yeah. You know, that that is, that. understandably, you're saying to yourself, well, guys, not only would we not have maximized our potential if we lose two games this year and we would have lost the only two really good games that are on the schedule. Um, and that's frustrating, but you do realize that this opportunity is not there the following year in all likelihood. I don't care how many transfer portal people they bring in. Are any of them going to play to the same level as Jordan Travis at quarterback this year? Probably not. The odds are probably not. Now I, maybe you go out and you get, the best quarterback in the land. And he says, yes, in the transfer portal, if you deem it necessary to go that route, perhaps maybe, I don't know, AJ Duffy takes a massive leap forward this year and becomes a, a, a more than viable option. Like, but, it, but a plus player option, maybe. Um, I don't see that in him. Uh, I think he, I think his, Duffy, I, I think Duffy's a gamer, not a practicer. Just, just from what I can tell, and that's limited game action. But he just—it it looks very easy and calm, and that's not—that's—that's that's a rare trait, especially for a young player to look calm yeah. when, when yeah. they're facing down, you know, a real live quote-unquote football bullets. Uh, we'll see how that develops. It, he needs to be a better practicer to earn that—that that hope and that trust next year. But the 2024 schedule includes a roadie to Notre Dame. And, you know, I think that program is solid and, and they're at least physical. And that's going to be in November 
in yeah, the if you don't play well, you'll get beat. Yeah. In the cold in the dump of a town in November. So yeah, you, you know, and then you've got North Carolina and as much of a fraud as Mac Brown is, that's going to be May's final year. So that's a toughie. And then of course you got uh, Florida Clemson. So that's going to be a group and that's going to be a season that I think is going to be fun from an underdog perspective. Can you get to 10? Can you get to the ACC championship? Assuming we're still on the ACC, like, is that something that you can accomplish? Because even if you get to Charlotte next year, that's something worth celebrating. I think with all the things that are going to depart from this roster, but this is the year, you know, it's like we felt in 12, we didn't know what 13 was going to be, but a guy named Jameis Winston changed everything from the word go. But that 12 season, it was everybody's old. Everybody's been around. Let's go, EJ. Let's let's get the job done here. And it wasn't. And that was a bitter pill to swallow. Thankfully, though, it forged the veterans to come back another year, play pissed off, and take everybody's souls on the way to a national title. Should mention, you mentioned 2024. You know I can't let that go without looking at the 2024 schedule. Um, you're right. It's Notre Dame November the 9th. Yep. is when you play them. That's also the year we welcome in Memphis to the schedule. Mike's old team comes in. Uh, on That's that's a Saturday, September 14th. That's that's early in the season. That's not a nothing game, probably. Yeah, no, you'll have to play well. Yeah. Uh, you're right. North Carolina's on that schedule. That year you play Miami at Miami. They may have awoken from their slumber by then. Uh, you do play Clemson. You do have Florida here. Uh, you, yeah, NC State, which – if we're playing, if we're operating at peak efficiency, NC State's going to go back to taking these ass kickings like they deserve. That game will be in Tallahassee. Um, we do have Virginia up in Charlottesville, the blinding beauty, Tom. We get a chance to make a visit. I'll, I'll take you on up there, buddy. We'll have a good time. I actually know that place really well. My sister once lived there. My nephew graduated law school from there. I've been there like 15 times. I'll take you all around Charlottesville. We'll have a blast. Um, but, yeah, that that is an interesting schedule. And, and, and we're going to be you know, trying to make our way through, navigate our way through a lot of changes uh, as, as we do p- present that schedule or play that schedule. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. <laughs> segment it's the final 10 minutes of an hour that we had to pre-record in order to get over to florida state university and uh to be able to sit down and enjoy the luncheon when this segment ends you'll say okay well that was what it was a recorded hour and hopefully you enjoyed it but you'll know that on the other side fresh faced ready to go excited as could be will be jeff and tom right on the heels of said luncheon so we'll be able to give you some more information and be able to report some of the things we talked about this hour, which is uh, those times and those weights and all those things uh, that the off season uh, provides you with these workouts and, and where they're at. And, and, and I don't know if Mike will reveal anything else of, of interest. Um, I think sometimes Tom, we've had it in situations in the spring in the past where if a player knock on wood, this isn't the case, but if a player was leaving or a player was hurt, you know, maybe needed surgery or something like that. Knock on wood, that's not the case. Sometimes, Mike, if it was a foregone conclusion that he was not going to be available for the fall, would tell us that somebody was no longer with the team or not able to play this fall 
due to injury. So we're going to cross our fingers that there's nothing like that going on. Um, but, you know, I mean, you, you do – You sometimes you wonder at the end of a hard-fought, hard-working um, tour of duty whether somebody's reconsidered, you know, or maybe they've looked around and begun to smell the roses here or something like that. I, I don't know. That typically would happen at the end of spring football practice when a person realizes they're fourth on the depth chart and they thought they were going to start or they're third on the depth chart and they know that they're not going to have the means by which to get to first. And so they'll say, you know, okay, I got to go somewhere else. I got to go play football somewhere else. That, that I do think that's the next thing to prepare yourself for Florida state fans is that Florida state's roster and the competitive depth of said roster is at a place now where when we watch these transfer portal players ride out from program after program after program, we've been largely unaffected ourselves here. We've been the one that have been able to pluck away these better players and these good players from these other schools, either because they have a chance to move up, like say Byers from UTEP to a real school like Florida State, um, or if you're Jermaine Johnson and you're third on the depth chart to a bunch of other NFL guys and you know you're an NFL guy and you want to play every down and you like, well, I'm out of here. We've been able to grab those kinds of guys. Now, you know, you already saw it once. Malik McClain is a starter in this league for every team in this league. And he's a guy, I mean, maybe Clemson, he wouldn't get as much run. Other than that, he's starting anywhere else in this league. And if you look around, he would start at a lot of the SEC schools. So he was a guy that was like, man, there's not enough footballs to go around. I'm not going to be showcased in the way that I want to be. I can go be a star at a big-time program somewhere else. Penn State saw that as well and said, okay, you're going to see more of that. There are going to be guys, because there are good football players here, and there aren't enough spots for all of them. You're going to uh, yeah. I was going to say, you're going to see it on the offensive line in the next year or two, where it, a guy leaves and you wince which is just unbelievable. You know, it might not be a crushing blow, but you go, I got, a, I got a couple of candidates right now on yeah. that offensive line. I, I think there's a few that I could name out loud right now. I'm going to, I'm not going to do that, but I, there's a couple of guys that I'm looking at right now that I think, you know, I've dubbed this the camp of hurt feelings and I, it's going to be a, a camp that hurts feelings. Uh, this is where guys realize much to their chagrin. I'm not in the top two. I'm not, I'm not getting out there. I'm the third string guard. Yeah, it, it wouldn't make sense for somebody to distance themselves from the program after going through the tour of duty. That just seems like you're a masochist of some kind. If you, if you wanted to go through that and then say, all right, I'm done. That's good enough for me. You want to go. Yeah, well, sometimes all I'm saying is sometimes, Tom, if if you put forth an effort you thought was worthy of the, the tour of duty and you got yelled at every day and they told you it wasn't enough. Yeah, oh, that's true. That's fair. I, I, I think. Yes, you're correct that the export market is going to have more blue chippers <laughs> with Florida State you know, logos attached to it than, than ever before. And they need to. I, I think their scholarly count is a little dicey right now, so that's going to have to happen to some degree. We will see, though, for this year's purposes, Dimitri Emanuel returning and being granted the waiver to come back for another season is not a small matter. Uh, could he be passed over as a starter? Sure, absolutely. I think so. He yeah. could. I think he but, will be. Would he be valuable depth at the very, very least? Yes, he would. Daryl Jackson also with his waiver. These were questions that were asked to Mike Norville yesterday. So I, I thought that in terms of the big questions that one would get to start a camp, one down, that that's one of them, is about the waiver status for those two players. 
The next one is about injuries. Uh, and the next one that's more fun is about position changes. And you know, we already know about one because Adam Fuller spoke to you one-on-one and he said that Omari Cooper is going to play safety for the entirety of camp. Also attached to that, they're going to be experimenting with Renardo Green, Jerrion Jones, and Azariah Thomas at nickel, but he wasn't married to that idea, you could tell. That's just kind of an experiment to see if they can get more good players on the field at the same time. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe Mike Norvell has more position change news. It feels like Josh Burrell has changed positions 50 times already. Uh, we know that Kayshawn Sapp, um, or is it Kayshawn Sapp? Yeah, no, no, you got it right. No, Woody. Woody changed the sides of the ball. Oh, oh, I thought you were saying the name. Just You didn't know if you had the name right. No, yeah. no. Woody changed sides of the ball last year. Is there somebody else flexing in or out or across the other way? Uh, maybe there's a tight end that switches to linebacker. <laughs> but that's the that's the fun question that we get to have asked and answered. But so we'll, we'll see how much news is coming from the head coach. But that's why I love the fact that we get 10 assistant coaches to talk to as well. There's always something that you didn't expect to hear for me last year. It was when I asked a question about Omari Cooper and Kevin Knowles locking down two corner spots. Uh, Marcus Woodson said, uh, well, hang on there, soldier. I, I'm not so sure about that. And that was eye opening to me. Within three games during the season, I saw why he felt that way. We'll see what the position coaches and coordinators say today, though. Well, it's a chance to talk to Patrick Sertan. Yep. Um, I would think you'd want to do that again. Let's keep tradition alive. You had Woodson a year ago. Now you got a good coach Two years to talk ago. to, and and um, and 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 I get a chance to talk to Tony again. So that, that, I, I I like it. I like it. Are you uh, doing a video for Tony, or are you just doing audio? I'm just doing audio. I we don't we're not that vain. Way to help the channel. <laughs> no, I'm talking about just the you know you, you shoot that it's a it's just him. It's not if, you and him doing a selfie. If you if you need me to sit there and hold the camera and hit record, I will do that. I I think the audio is gold. But uh, if we if we <laughs> hey man, that's Ira's call. It ain't my call. <laughs> I'm sure we have an email to that end. <laughs> I uh, I'll have to check it. I, I I'm getting ready to here in a minute before I. Uh, Head on out down the road over to FSU, and yeah, I'm gonna I'll race over to Tony and talk about. But it, you know, it's funny. We were just talking a moment ago. I think it is infinitely intriguing, and I believe it is true at all these other positions. But it's also true at quarterback. Yeah, I got you, Jordan starter. We already know all that. But man, that's gonna be a tough battle between Tate and AJ. And um, you know, I I, I want to see AJ take a huge leap forward, but I want to get Tony's thoughts on what he saw in year one from AJ. Was there were, were there things that he was really excited about that maybe we would have not known? We're not quarterback coaches, and yeah. you know, there might be, he's with him every day. I, I don't know. Maybe he asked the right kind of questions already. I don't know. So that would be exciting to find out. And then are there things that he's really concerned about? You know, that hey, look, this is gonna have to get a lot better. I think it will this spring and fall. You know, I mean. He, he's not afraid to highlight those things and point them out and talk about where we're at in that process. Yeah. Yeah. The um, limitation, the limitation for Duffy to be fair to him was we didn't have enough offensive linemen. For oh, without question. Yeah. An honest rep, you know, when they were doing ones, twos and threes and they were rotating, it's just not a fair assessment. And so that can get overwhelming and tough. So I will always put that qualifier out there before I say, I just wasn't impressed with him in practice. I was more impressed with him in limited game reps than I was in practice. That's not going to cut it anymore because now you got a kid underneath you in the depth chart that's coming in hungry as well. This is what it's supposed to look like. The assembly line where you could get jumped if you have a bad few days in a row, unless your name is Jordan Travis or, I don't know, Jared or Trey Benson. Otherwise, you could get jumped on this roster. AJ Duffy was featured in 
one of my favorite moments last year of uh, covering practice. They were in the indoor practice facility, and he made a ridiculously awesome throw against his body rolling to his left that was all at once uh, a highlight of arm strength and deft touch. And when he made the throw, he was coming right towards me. And I was standing there, and I, I realized what he was about to try to do. And I thought, ooh, that's, that's going to have to be perfect. It was like the Ponder USF throw. It was a perfect throw, and it was caught, and it was a touchdown, and it was awesome, and the place went nuts. <laughs> but my favorite part about it was Mike Norvell went nuts and had a bunch of things to say, and AJ was too busy jogging down, I think, enjoying the moment, and it pissed Mike off. <laughs> Mike's, hey, hey, I'm talking to you. <laughs> just I watched that exchange, and as soon as the exchange was over, Mike looked at me and winked. It was outstanding. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.